Welcome to another week of Investors Gallery. My name is Presley. I am half of Dimensional Capital Partners. The other half is Melvin Fairby, who is also our securities attorney. We are a multifamily investment and development firm here in Houston, and we do all things multifamily. And I have, I say, I kind of say this every other week, but I, and I mean it then, but I really mean it now. I have a very special <laughs> guest. And the reason why this guest is special is because I think as soon as our social media paths cross, we just started like vibing on the same frequency. She is amazing at social media. She is amazing at marketing. She does all the things that I try to teach other people to do. And I even look to see what she does myself to see if I can learn some things. But more importantly, she's in the real estate investing space. And I am honored to have you on, Nicole. Thank you for coming on to Investors Gallery. Oh, and also let me explain to the audience what, what this is, because I told you I was going to explain to you about the office. So for those who have not seen the podcast before, the video version, um, I built everything behind me, which is my office. It's about 500 square feet. It was all attic space. And on the other side is an art gallery. And I obviously I built that as well. So that's where we get investors gallery from because we were supposed to be shooting in the art gallery. I just have never gotten over there in the <laughs> seven or eight months that I've been doing this podcast, but one day I will. We did do a, uh, a podcast in the actual art gallery in uh, the north area of Houston, in the Woodlands area, for people who are familiar. So yeah, that's what my background is. Is uh, I built all this. I didn't build the desk though. <laughs> so thanks for Nicole. Explain what you do and give us some insight on all your your genius marketing. Sure. And so, firstly, thank you for inviting me and having me on your platform and your show. This is a great concept to have a live podcast like every week. That's Kudos to you, man. I know how difficult that is. And I think once you actually move into the art gallery you're supposed to be in, people are going to be like, nah, I think you should just keep this background because that's, <laughs> they're going to be confused. Like, I don't know what's going yeah. on. Just why don't you just hang a picture or two in that background and just stay there. And then it's, it's semi art gallery esque. It'll work. Yeah, I think that'll work. Know. Okay. So anyway, my name is Nicole Pendergrass. Thank you for all the compliments on my marketing. I'm definitely not a marketer. I just, I do like aesthetics and design. So maybe that's where some of that comes into. It also make, takes me way too long to create social media graphics because I'm looking at every little aspect and I'm tweaking. I'm like, oh, maybe I should move this a centimeter to the right. Or then I'm moving it back and I'm, I'm just playing with it way too much. So it, it takes a little while. Social media is a, another full-time job if they don't tell you when you're trying to market and put yourself out there. Um, but it has been extremely life-changing from when I started my journey. So just to start, um, I'm a multifamily investor. I have some commercial properties in Pennsylvania. Those are my primary joint venture properties. And I've also syndicated a couple of properties down in the Southeast in Atlanta and South Carolina. And right now I'm looking to expand my portfolio, even with the craziness that's happening in the market and the rates being, you know, what they are. So I'm looking at some other asset classes as well as some small multifamily, which I kind of coined microfamily, that 10 to 20 unit range. So I think that there's, I'll get into that a little bit later, but so between that and some mobile home parks, that's what I'm looking to expand into this upcoming year. But I kind of started with a three-family house hack. Like I moved into one of the units and rented out the other two. And that was my foray into really getting my very own first investment piece that I had to learn how to be the landlord. I had to learn tenant relations. I had to learn like how to manage contractors and get things fixed and repaired and deal with, you know, non-payment and try to build rapport so that the tenants would pay. And, you know, that didn't work for one of the tenants. But in any case. I, I did the best that I could. Um, and and from there, that I lived there as in the house hack for about four years. And that's when I kind of, I got married. I 
started having, I had my first child. So that's when life, a lot of life things were happening. And so I wasn't actively looking to grow my portfolio. I knew I always wanted to grow, but I just was trying to survive, right? With all the things that I was doing at that time. Um, so 2019 is when I act, I've uh, intentionally decided to start growing my portfolio, to jump back into multifamily, like networking and going to events and meetups and RIAs and all those things I had been doing for years before. And I kind of stopped in that period of time that um, since I bought my three unit. So since I decided to start uh, scaling, I joined a mentorship program. Um, I used my maternity leave to go visit a market that I had picked that was in Pennsylvania, it was close enough for me to get to and establish a presence like physically there because that was pre-COVID. And so things were still done like mainly in person. Um, so I needed to get somewhere that I could get to. And because I have a W-2 and I have a small kids and baby, like I couldn't just hop on a plane if a broker was to tell me, hey, I have this property if you want to come see it. But, you know, in a couple of days, I'm going to list it. You know, if if I had that situation, I wouldn't have been able to act as quickly because I didn't have boots on the ground in those markets because I was still new and I hadn't expanded my network at that point. Um, so that's kind of that's how it started. And I basically 2020 was when the pandemic hit in March. Right. And so that all of my work from my maternity leave, which was December 2021 or December 2019 to kind of January, February, as soon as I went back to work, the pandemic hit and I was like, oh, all my boots on the ground hustle that I did those last few months, it's like down the drain because like everything kind of went to a screeching halt. And that's when I joined my second mastermind because I said, you know what, I can't, I, I feel like I'm losing grasp of what I've already started building, even if it was a little bit. And so from there, that's when I was encouraged to start posting on social media. So it was like summer of 2020 is when I first started posting and I kind of just jumped right in. I had no clue how much work social media really is, <laughs> um, but doing that really opened up doors for a lot of opportunities, especially once I closed on my first commercial property, which summer 2020 was just like summer of networking and phone calls and Zoom. So I was, I was bouncing from call to call to call just on so many calls over the summer. I would talk to one person and they would say, hey, you need to speak to such and such over here. Oh, you need to speak to so-and-so. You need to speak. So I basically was just like playing phone, not phone tag, but hot phone, hot potato phone. I don't know what to call <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> but I was doing that like all summer. And I eventually met someone who was in my same market and we ended up having a few calls. We vibed together and when a deal came available, he called me and saw and said if I wanted to do it together with him. And so that's when I, I got my first deal done and we just been rolling since then. That's a lot to unpack. Um, I'm sorry. No, no, that is, <laughs> that is typically how 100% of my conversations go. Um, and in that same vein, we've been thinking about doing a more live in person. Um, I don't know if it was, yeah, I guess it'll still be a podcast because Zoom, sometimes the, the voice uh, not overrides, but layers over each other. So it's, it's difficult to have a back and forth. Um, so I do like to let my uh, my panelists or whoever I'm interviewing speak freely and then I just you know I'll um ask whatever I need to ask at the end so the original real estate the the first home that you got into how accidental or purposeful was that did you get into this hey I'm a house hack and we're going to go from here how, how did that thought process go it was very, very intentional. So I started studying real estate years before I bought that property in 2015. I started, I found out about real estate as an avenue for regular people that you didn't have to be a millionaire or own a business and all that to change your life with real estate. I found out about that in 2010. And so I had been going to all the meetups, all the three-day conferences and boot camps. I joined the New York City RIA. Um, there actually was a bunch of us in the New York City RIA who decided to get together and buy some properties in Detroit. We put like 5,000 in each and we bought properties at a tax auction because Detroit was like where we could afford. And 
that did not turn out well because we didn't know it really That's anything my city. about. I know, I, I, I know the D. Yep. <laughs> we did not. We didn't know it, and that was a problem. And we didn't have boots on the ground. And we were trying to trust like the the realtors and everyone else who had met on a property tour there. But it was still wasn't that same kind of connection to be able to. They, we couldn't really. They weren't part of the team. You know what I mean? So I think that's. Yeah, is you have to know block by block, and we saw that in person, but we just, yeah. I don't know, we had hopium, so that I, I guess is all a learning lesson, right? Yeah. And so from there, one of the members of the RIA told me about a homeowner's grant because I didn't have any money saved. I was semi new out of college at that point, and um, and I'm like, I don't have. I live in New York City. It's expensive. I don't have the down payment for here, right? Even three and a half percent is a lot, right? And so she told me about a homeowner's grant. We we're going to give you thirty thousand dollars. It was from Wells Fargo. I went and I got approved for the grant. I started looking, but because they approved me, they just gave me approved approval based on my income, which was for, of course, a single family. It wasn't based on the revenue coming in from a multi-unit, and so because it also had time limitations to the grant, I started looking at condos and things like that. And so even, even with the condo, I, my mind was still in house hacking. I was like, okay, if I can only get a single family, I'm going to rent out the other bedrooms. And so I was looking at the layouts for that mm -hmm. reason. So I was in contract with like two different condos and they both fell through. And by the time the second one fell through, um, I basically was going to run out of time for the, the grant and I wasn't able to use it. So I kind of lost the grant. So at that point, I actually was like, well, I mean, not that I wasn't upset because it was a lot of blood, sweat and tears. I went into trying to get those things to close and it was months and months and months of back and forth. But I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I always wanted a multifamily. That's what I wanted. I was being forced into the single family route because of that grant. But at this time, I was like, I'm just going to start looking for it. And I'm going to do, I'm going to send out mailers because I had learned that, you know, all my years of studying and trying to wholesale and things like that. Actually, I never did a wholesale because it just was not my forte. But I learned how to do direct mailers. And I sent some cards out 4th of July to some zip codes in the Bronx and uh, looking for three and four family properties. And this was one of the properties who responded. And I ended up talking with him. And so I intentionally wanted to get, you know, a multi-unit and live for free. So as long as the numbers let me like for the rent from the other two units, let me live for free. That's, that's what I, what I wanted. And I needed to decrease my expenses drastically. And I knew that that was the next step, even if I didn't know what was going to happen after that. Mm, brilliant. How much would you say you have invested in yourself as far as education and mentorships and kind of everything that you've put into it? With just, just with the, on the education side, and I just know in the last few years, maybe the last two to three years, it's, it had to be like 25, 30,000. Um, and then if I'm, if I'm trying to add up all the years before I even actually did anything when I was going to the conferences and flying and planes and tickets and all those things. I don't even, I don't even know how much that was. Cause then I was single. I had no kids. I could just travel whenever. So I was probably just <laughs> on the plane all the time, <laughs> but yeah, so that's not, that's just the last few years. And that's not including what I was doing beforehand. Wow. Um, I like to ask that question because we coach, um, and I've been mentoring for over 15 years and I like to, people to hear that it takes time and it takes a dedication and it takes passion. We had a gentleman on uh, last week and he's like, I've been doing this for 20 years. And I think I don't want to get his number wrong, but I think he said he spent five or 10. He might, might've said 20,000. And I was like, sir, most of my guests have spent six figures on education. So not saying that you have to, mm -hmm. but just saying that, you know, the, the route that everyone else has gone, even after they have become successful, they're still in mentorships and, and masterminds. And so, you know, seek education and keep furthering yourself and sharpening the sword. So I like to like that information to come out from uh, my panelists, you know, experience so people can see 
not even for my own benefit, for themselves who I might not ever run into, that you have to keep investing in yourself. Um, and that's what's going to pay off and between investing in yourself and, and take a, taking massive action. That's how you get further and further. Yep. So you did a lot of research. You were very active in um, going after this education to get experience. And then you get your, your first property and you purposeful, purposely house hacked, which is amazing. How did you go from in that state to now building a family and then all of that playing in an orchestra to now start trying to actively invest into multifamily? Well, so my my first, you know, it all goes, goes back to your why, right? And what is your motivating factor? What is that push that's going to keep you being active and pushing forward through obstacles, regardless of what comes in your path, right? So first, my why was my mom. She's still part of the why, but now it's had expanded. So the first driving factor was my mom. Um, she actually, the year that my dad passed away is the year that I found out about real estate. And wow. she, yeah, she found, um, she came with me to this conference on the last day. And because, you know, they tell you to, it's all the sales tactic to tell you to get your credit card ready or bring somebody with you, blah, blah, blah. So we know what that is. Um, I didn't know at the time because I was so brand new and it was my, my eyes was like, oh my gosh, real estate. But anyway, so she came with me to the third day and she saw the power in it. And I know she believed in me. And so she used a portion of the money that she had gotten from my dad to pay for me to start with that real estate. Mm. So it was like, one, I owe her. Two, I owe her anyway, because I grew up <laughs> watching her work two, three jobs. You know, sometimes young, we would go with her to jobs to help her finish in time so she could get to the next job, right? Wow. And because my dad was always like on disability and he couldn't work. So she was like the sole breadwinner for a family of seven. And that was my motivating factor. And I believe that's where I get all of my grit from is just, I just have it innately because I you was think? just watching her. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching her. I just, it was just life. You just had to do what you had to do. There was yes. no time for excuses or for moping or crying. You just had to get it done. And I saw that innately, like peripherally, just by being around and watching her. Um, so that was, and I don't, I'm rambling. I don't even remember what your original question was. Keep going because oh. people need to hear this. <laughs> so, yeah. So that, so she basically, oh, the, the why, how I got into it, but that was my original why was paying back my mom, not only for the capital to get me started in my first, um, real estate education, like company or platform. Um, but it was also for just the years of her hard work and labor and me not wanting her to have to keep working until she could retire or couldn't retire or whatever. I wanted to be able to retire her early. Now that I'm older and I know my mom more, she probably wouldn't retire even if she could because she's just a busybody and she has she to know be to actively. She wasn't know what to do. It was like she and she already travels. Like oh my god, that woman travels way more than me now. Like she's all over the place. Like she's probably going to like five or six countries this year. And I'm just like I don't know <laughs> like how she's doing. So I know even if she retired from her job, she'd probably at least stay on part time or do something just because she she's a busybody. She got to be up and around and moving. She's always I don't know how she has the energy. But in any case. What made me continue, like that was when I first bought that three family and I, cause I had been looking, I had been trying to do things. And like I said, I didn't have capital. So I pieced together this down payment. So I was able to use FHA with three and a half percent down. I, I borrowed from my retirement account, which wasn't a lot. I borrowed some money from a friend, which I paid back after like the first month after we closed. I just needed it for reserves. And I think I also borrowed a little bit more money from my mom. <laughs> paid that back from her, her too. So I had to come up with like $17,000 as a down payment, which is not a lot depending. But at that point for me, I just did not have all of that at one time. It's not a lot if, unless you don't have it. 
unless you don't have it, <laughs> you know, it's not like, right. And so once I closed and I started just going through the process and there was like literally obstacles, the month, the, the month after I closed, there were just like obstacles and more capital that need to be put out and just things that need to be, you know, handled that I was, I guess, misled with by the seller on and things I wouldn't have known, like as a newbie and so eager to get my first deal done. Right. I was just like, I, I didn't even get an inspection on the house. Like wow. close, I did not get an inspection. Like that's just one of the major things. But anyway, side note. Oh, and you didn't go through a realtor. I did not because I went direct to the seller. Yeah, yeah. I well, went direct to the seller. Maybe, maybe I saved a little money. Oh, it actually comes from the seller. The seller saved some money. But in any case, <laughs> right. um, so then after like just going through all the hassles and, and dealing with a tenant that was not paying, this is when I was pregnant with my first child. They didn't pay for like almost a year and it took about a year for, to get them out of the property. As you know, New York city is very landlord friendly. They love us landlords over here. Um, so by time I got them out, I was kind of like at the end of what, like financial wise, I was, I was hanging on to that last thread. I was like, oh my God, these people are going to make me lose my very first property. I worked so hard to get here. Like this was blood, sweat and tears. And these people, how dare they have the nerve to like not want to pay. And I see them ordering food. I see them going out to work every what? day. It's like, just it's a whole nother level of self-control that you have to learn and reserve to live there when you have a tenant not paying you and can see all their daily activities. You know how many times I had to tell my husband not to go upstairs because I was like, I'm not, you're not going to throw a wrench in my plans. These courts is not on my side already. But mm -hmm. in any case, then having kids, it was, it was like, that was adding to the why. And my ultimate why is just like, is really is lifestyle. Like I want I don't want to feel like I've, I've graduated from living paycheck to paycheck. Right. So that's great. I'm not doing that anymore. Like I have, I have reserves. I have, you know what I mean? I'm not, I don't feel like I'm struggling, but still in New York city, it takes a lot to feel like you're living like a, just a relaxed kind of lifestyle. You have space and you have a backyard and just all those things. So it's really just to have options in life. It's, to be able to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I think I started real estate journey thinking real estate will give me the financial freedom to be able to decide what I want to do because I was pre-med and I decided that's not what I wanted to do. And so whatever, I was still trying to figure out what I was going to do, but in the meantime, real estate would give me the financial freedom to have the options to do whatever I wanted to. Now I've been doing real estate for so long. I think I just want to do real estate. <laughs> I don't know what else I, I'd want to do. Like, this is right. fun for me. Like, I just, I like it. So I think I'll just stick, stick with that. Um, but yeah, so it, it's really just been lifestyle. And every time, every year, like my why gets a little bit wider and it includes more people. And now I'm at the point where it's not just about me and my family. It's also about my community and other people who look like me. Because the real estate industry, especially commercial real estate, is is pretty. Uh, what's the word? Um, yeah, pretty di non non diverse, <laughs> homogeneous. But you know, so in, in that case, like, there's so many people out there who are interested, but they don't even know what's possible because they've never seen someone right. like them doing it. Right. right. And that's one of the other motivating factors for me to post on social media and put myself out there so much and be transparent and honest about how I started, what kind of capital I started with and what my background was, because I want other people to know that you don't have to start with a lot and you really just need grit and determination, that persistence right. to just keep pushing through. So as long as you just keep showing up, things will happen. So just like there's going to be so many blockades that want to derail you. But as long as you keep showing up, chips will start to fall into place and things will happen. It might happen slower than you want. If you're comparing yourself to everybody else on the journey, especially people who you're supposed to link up with because they're the motivating factor, they're ahead of you on their journey and they're supposed to motivate you into what to do next. That can also be um, a Dismotive, uh, unmotivating, right? Because 
you're seeing what they're doing, what these other people are doing, and they're so far ahead of you, or they have so many closings, they have so many things. And even though that's supposed to be your motivation, it can also make you feel like you're not enough or you're not doing enough. And that comparisonitis is a hell of a drug. And you need to <laughs> step away from that and just compare yourself with yourself. And that's something I had to learn like the hard way along this journey and not downing myself because I wasn't going as fast as other people that I was comparing myself to. Because even though I just look back three years and I can see where I see where I started three years and what I've done in three years. And while you're in it, it kind of feels like, oh my God, like I'm, I just feel like I'm juggling balls and dropping them all the time. But yeah. when I stop and I feel like I'm going so slow, I'm not making much progress, right? But when I stop and actually look back at where I came from or what a point, like even if I pick a year ago or two years ago and I just track all the things that happened in that time and I'm sitting and I have to sit back and just be grateful and remember like, oh crap, I'm pushing through. Like I'm doing it. Like I am actually making a, a lot of moves and my projection, my, my trajectory has really increased significantly from where I was. And I just thought I wasn't doing enough, but I really was. So I just want to put that out there for people as a motivation. Just if you are being down on yourself for how far or how fast you're moving, just to take everything into consideration about your journey and not comparing. And I know you hear it all the time. It's hard, better, easier said than done, but read the book, uh, the gap in the game. That'll help you. Where's my phone at? Oh, Ooh, I, it's like I get a, I get a good book every other podcast, <clears throat> and I have to stop and order it, order it from Audible. The gap and the gain. Mm -hmm. The gap and the gain, not game, gain. G A I N. Yeah, yeah. The gap. I got it. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Fantastic book. I highly just recommend. Just bought it. Oh, uh, that's fast. You're efficient. Success <laughs> loves speed. <laughs> yes. 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 Download right now. Um, I also want to add to that because um, whenever I speak to someone who has come from um, similar past um, or similar experiences, or we just you know, have a lot of the same characteristics. I can see myself in that person and I can also see, depending on what they're saying, but I can see how I used to view things or how some of the people that I mentor or had mentor used to see things. So when you said my mom helped me with this, my mom, um, we had a little bit of money from my father's passing. I can hear and see a lot of people saying, well, I don't have that. Or, you know, my mom is not here or my mom is broker than I am. What I want to say to that, that might be the case, but when you want something bad enough, you will figure out a way to get to it or to make it work. And God or the universe or however you set that framework up mentally will create that door to be open. Sometimes it's going to come from a family, friend, person. I've had money come out of nowhere. Um, I remember when I first read, uh, what's the name of that book that Oprah made uh, popular? Um uh, it's basically based off the Bible. What is the name of that book? Um, now I can't think of the name of the book. You don't talk about the color purple, right? No. It's so I'm like, I didn't know that was based on the Bible. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a book about meditating or um, the law of attraction. Oh, okay. She made that popular? Maybe I'm, I'm well, out of touch. Yeah, I mean, she, she makes uh, any book popular. You're right. Yeah, okay. She made, it, she made it more popular. Touche. Um, I remember when I read that book because I was like, huh, okay, it's uh, I'm I I am fairly open minded, so I read the book and 
I remember getting a check. I remember having the mindset that I'm going to get a five-figure check. And I remember two weeks later getting a five-figure check from like out the blue. So not, not to, to sit on a, a soapbox and say, go read this book, but I'm saying that if you want to do multifamily deals, if you want to do commercial deals, whatever it is you want to do, whether it's real estate or not, if you put your heart and your mind into it and you focus into it, it will work sooner or later. It might not work the first time you do it. Nothing ever works the first time you do it, but eventually it will happen. If you keep at it, if you keep focusing on it, keep meditating on it, keep looking for resources, you can do anything now between Google and YouTube. So I just wanted to, to hop on the soapbox right next to you because I just hear people saying, well, I don't have any, because everybody in my family is poor. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I was kind of the same way. I, mean, I kind of both sides because my, my grandparents did own multifamily mm -hmm. and I swear we was the richest, brokest people I ever met in my life. <laughs> I Christmases were Christmases and birthdays. Where I didn't get anything, but mm -hmm. we had a boat and an RV in the back. And my grandparents were the first people in the United States with a minivan with a TV in it. Cause my grandmother worked for Chrysler and she kind of, it was a long story. So I was like, wait, so you actually, you know that, you know that for a fact, they were the mm -hmm. first ones with the TV in there. That's crazy. I don't think you... she designed it, but um, yeah, she, 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 she was the first African-American engineer for Chrysler though. Wow. So yeah, nice. maybe we were rich at sometimes and poor at other times, but I've had many a holidays where I just got a Sara Lee cake and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just want to add on that too, because I, that, that goes back to the comparison night is right. People who are kind of struggling or coming from nothing will look at even us and our stories and say, well, at least you had this, or at least yeah. you had X, Y, Z. But yeah, I came from a working class. Like I said, I had, it was a family of seven. I had four younger brothers and then my mom and my dad. And so I guess you could say I was lucky my dad died. Right. Or, you know, so it's like there had to be tragedy for that money to be available. Right. And um, I just think doing that kind of comparison is is a slippery slope. Yeah. Um, yeah like so you might not have that tragedy to, to catapult you into the next thing. But like you said, it just boil at the end of the day, it will always just boil down to your resilience and your resourcefulness because that's the quote that you will hear that you don't lack resources you lack resourcefulness right so you can make it happen anybody can make it happen because if i if i can do it starting with you know very little um then you can too so i think most most successful people start with not a lot or or nothing yeah you just got to learn how to make it work and there's ways like even if you get educated, there's so many free resources out there, so many books, so many webinars, so many meetups where you can start meeting in, uh, investors. Like that wasn't as much of a thing, virtual meetups. Now you can meet with people across the country and mm -hmm. you can expand your network before you even have a property. And you could mm -hmm. just always be there and always show up. I know a couple of people who they're like, there's like 10 meetups or 20 meetups. They're like at every single one. They're at a meetup a day. Sometimes people go into three meetups a day. So mm -hmm. everybody knows their face. Right. And guess what? If they know you don't have a property, you know, you're low on capital. Somebody is going to reach out and see you, the effort that you're putting in and want to help you. Yep. So that's well, what it, where it comes. Exactly. Because, you know, if you're on the team, because you're working that hard, if they see your dedication, they're going to want that kind of work ethic on their team. And you mm -hmm. can help. You can be a GP without bringing capital to a deal. Right. Like you don't you don't need that. And your your cut may be small. You might start off with small, but that's better than nothing. <laughs> like you're making you actually create they have an infinite return. You created something from nothing just from your work ethic and some sweat <laughs> equity. Right. So, yeah, I just want to encourage people that like, then when your name goes easy. on that on that closing disclosure, you can go to the next deal. <laughs> exactly. So let's, let's go a little bit deeper into your first after your your house hack your first actual deal which was in um, Pennsylvania Pennsylvania 
Mm-hmm. Tell us about that and how, how you found that deal. That deal was listed on the MLS. So I really? didn't have to do any the opposite place fight. I tell people to look. I said, don't <laughs> look for, there's no deals on the MLS. And if you call me about a deal on LoopNet, I'm hanging up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no. And um, this wasn't even LoopNet. Like in the market that I'm in, the most of the uh, multifamily are small. So they're like, the commercial multifamily, they're like five to 12 units maybe. And they just, all the realtors there, they do single and commercial because the multis are so small. There's mm-hmm. not really, you know, the bigger multis that need a separate, you know, commercial right. multifamily brokers. So the realtors there, they kind of just mix and do both. And it's, so it's all together. So, which that definitely confused me when I first started, because I always heard how there's brokers for residential and there's brokers for commercial, not mm-hmm. in my market. They, they all do it all. So it was just on a regular MLS. Like I was on a couple of mailing lists, you know, you, that's what you say you do, like get on mailing lists for a couple of firms um, and brokerages. And I saw it come through, like I got the email and I looked at it and I'm like, oh, this looks like a good property to underwrite just for practice. And then the next day, my partner who I had been talking to, we had like a few phone calls. He called me, he's like, I don't know if you saw this six unit that just came on the market. But, and I was thinking in my head, like, yeah, I just saw it. And he's like, my property manager told me about it. And she said, this will be a great property to add to my portfolio. Do you want to do it with me? And so I said, okay, sure. Like I went from wanting to underwrite it to for practice to like putting an offer in on it that same weekend. And by, this was Friday, by Sunday, we had won the bid out of a couple of other offers. And we just knew, you know what? There was a lot of numbers. This was like, a typical mom and pop kind of situation. There were a lot of numbers that we didn't have. Like she didn't have PLs and T12s and you know all of that kind of stuff. Um, mm. She had actually got the property from her husband who had passed a few years before, and she she hadn't really been involved in it like that. So she just was like offloading them now and didn't really have anything. So based on the um, the price per door of this property versus what was price per door in the market for other properties that we knew were overpriced. We knew at that price per door that it was a deal, right? And that there was potential there. And because it was um, like a mom and pop kind of situation, there was a lot of deferred maintenance. There, it was a big value add. It wasn't like total gut or anything, but it was enough of a value add. We were spending like maybe nine to 12 per unit, um, just getting it fixed wow. up. And I, I thought it would be, I was trying to get estimates during our underwriting and I thought it would be like five to six, four to six per unit. Um, and it ended up that also it, the whole timeline of that was like when COVID hit, like right after we, no COVID hit was before, but it was like supply chain issues and, you know, all mm-hmm. the other things that were making things more expensive and, and contractors mm-hmm. not, you know, coming to work and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> just going through that, we basically repositioned the whole property in about a year and we're able to refinance at the end, at the beginning of um, 2022, which was like March, April, April, we refinanced that. Um, and there's a whole, whole nother story that goes with the refinance. That's kind of funny too. Um, but yeah, so that was, to me, it was a learning experience because my partner, what was, was good and bad is my partner was already established. Like he already had a portfolio in a nearby market that he was kind of transitioning from that market into the market that we both share together. And he, so he already had property management. He already had a lender. He already had bankers, but you know, he had the team already there. And I kind of was just stepping into a pre-made team and they were able to like, we didn't put in an LOI or anything. Like he just emailed his property manager and they just like the banker and the property managers, their offices are right next door to each other. So they just walked over <laughs> the earnest money check to him. Like, and, you know, it was just like literally like one of those really tight knit, you know, um, groups that just works together well because they're used to doing business together. So that is a positive because then you can kind of get things done smoothly without a lot of hiccups. Um, so basically we closed on that and it was actually pretty uneventful with the clothes. Like it took a couple of, the, there was one hiccup, like the the seller at one point did try to back out of the contract and try to use some, some BS kind of excuse that we pushed back and we were able to like get it done. Um, mm-hmm. So there was some, a little bit of a delay, but for the most part, 
I heard horror stories of just like going through with like closings and I just did not experience that, which I'm grateful for. But then I also didn't learn anything from that because I didn't go through the hardship. You know, hardships make you learn if you keep pushing through, right? Um, but in any case, yeah, so we we repositioned that. And I guess the the other thing I'll say is when we went to go refinance. So we went to go refinance and what happened was because we're in a smaller market, the same, it, it happened to be the same exact, not just the same appraisal company, the same exact appraiser who <laughs> appraised our building when we purchased it in 2020, appraised it again in 2022. And he just looked at the address and said, oh, I know this building. I just appraised it, right? And so he, we had put mm-hmm. probably like 70 or $80,000 into that property. Uh, and repositioned everything and like got the rents up. Like the rents were like three, four hundred dollars under market. You know, um, we got those pushed yeah. up. You know, we we just did a lot of work. And he kind of, I think we bought for 360 and he appraised it for 385. <laughs> Whoa. So he like we basically doubled the income of that property and so the that price should have been closer to seven honestly um and so my he he put it into the bank and the bank was uh like no sorry you have the wrong property this is exactly this is this is not the right property right because they knew how much we did a property management company was like no this is not the right property and so he really honestly had not looked at any, we we put a whole document together with all before and after pictures mm-hmm. with the, the rents, the free previous rents and the new rents and just all the stuff that they would need to know to show the value that we added into the building. Right. And he must've just not really looked at that at all. Um, so my partner was on the phone with him, you know, a few times that day. This was a, <laughs> this was a Thursday. We needed to refinance Friday because we were purchasing another building with the refinance proceeds and we couldn't close if we didn't if it was going to be you know only 15 days more so he ended up yeah yeah we might be a little short so he ended up the appraiser ended up after like all this pressure he stayed up all night like redoing his appraisal and actually looking at all the information that we gave so he came back on Friday with a new appraisal that was better, still not the value that we should have had, but it was enough for us to close. And we we actually had to bring like maybe less than 10K to the closing, but still we shouldn't have brought anything and we should have walked away with money in our pockets. But I feel soulless in that. I know my equity is still in the building and I'll be able to access that at a later point. But that's just a thing sometimes with um, a lesson, smaller, smaller markets sometimes will have these issues where you don't have a lot of choices when it comes to vendors and professionals who are going to help with with these kind of things um two make sure you can request a different appraisal company from even though you can't pick it you can request it not be the same one as purchase if you're doing a refi in a couple of years or something three don't plan a closing of another property (laughs) so close to the refinance of the first if it's dependent on that capital so that's the whole thing. Yeah, 31 yeah. people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yes, it's definitely, it was funny. I actually was out of town on vacation. I was in Mexico and my partner was handling all this. And he told me when I got back, cause he didn't want to ruin my vacation. So that was oh. so nice of him. <laughs> but yeah. What so. do you wear in the, uh, in the, in the, on the team that you're on now? Is it strictly underwriting? And and investor relations, I'm gonna assume. Um, well, no, and it depends on which team I'm participating in at the moment. So with me and my joint venture partner, um, I was doing a lot of asset management when it came to the repositioning of the units, like keeping the spreadsheets together, making sure all the finances and the projections and you know, are we on budget, are we on time, that kind of stuff, like just trying to stay on top and be a um a connection point with the property management team and just make sure we knew what was going on each step of the way. So I tried to play, you know, a part in that as much as possible and, and, you know, asking questions when we needed to, when things didn't, weren't like lining up, 
or we need like certain repair to be a certain amount, like, okay, maybe we need to use this type of flooring instead of that, but right. I want these types of fixtures because I want to elevate the the mix of the the mix of the unit and things like that. Um, so yes, asset management when it comes to my uh, my joint venture partnerships, but then with some of the syndications, I'm doing capital raise and like some investor relations. And as we're, we closed both of those properties like fall of 2022. So some things are still like falling in place. And once things get really right. buttoned up, then I'll have more of a role in what the asset management um, is going to be for the future. What is your, what's your bullseye? Is it doors? Um, I have a, a friend that we, we, um, I don't know if I want to say joke, joke about, but he's so adamant that he's like, people want doors. Doors does not mean money. So what, what is your thing? Is it a specific return, a monthly passive income that you get? What, what's your, your bullseye that you will slow down or stop doing multifamily, or at least feel like you've gotten to that major milestone? Hmm. I think my bullseye is definitely not doors. It sounds good. And I fight with myself all the time saying, oh, saying I have 500 doors or saying I have a thousand doors, that would just sound like boss, right? <laughs> but I, you know, like you said, doors doesn't mean like how much equity in those doors do you have, you know, because you could have a 1%, you know, nothing. Um, so it's definitely the cash flow. And I think because I fight with this all the time, there's lifestyle now, like to maintain my current lifestyle. And then there's dream lifestyle cash flow. So those are two different cash flow numbers, but just one step in front of the other, like on the, the progression to getting there. So I guess if you're saying it's, it depends on short term or long term, short term bullseye is current lifestyle, which I'm pretty close to. Um, but then long term, I would probably need. For dream lifestyle and dream lifestyle includes also mom. invest. Yes, it includes mom <laughs> and includes like savings, like having money to invest continuously because I never mm -hmm. want to stop investing or putting money aside to invest um, and growing that out. And it includes like philanthropy and it, it, it includes a bunch of other things, but, and, and they're not all like rah, rah, or give, give back, give back. Some is just like, I want my lifestyle to be a certain level right but right. it's probably like between 40 and 50 a month which is a lot to people just depending but it's also nothing in the grand scheme of things yeah. so like i know that that could be easy not easily but that could be accomplished yeah that could be accomplished and if it's more than that then that's just more for me to do bigger and better things with and to affect more people and change and and just do more and give back. So I do want to have philanthropy being a big part of my um, mission, especially as I get more and more income. Mm. Do you do any philanthropy now? Yeah, actually I do, but it is on a smaller scale. So um, I invest with, or not invest, but I give back to Children International. Mm. Um, I have two children with them. And and I feel like what else would I have done besides like giving tithes to my church and supporting whatever ministries they're doing? That's basically been my main thing um, to of official philanthropy. And otherwise, it's just been giving back as far as having calls with people, giving information, encouraging them, telling them how to get started with multifamily. I'm thinking about starting a coaching mentorship program as well, just because I want to see more people. Um, be able to take advantage of the uh, benefits of multifamily investing and to really level up their lives. And some people just don't know how to do it or they don't have that, um, that drive. They need that accountability partner. They kind of want that person to look over the shoulder, make sure they're not making little mistakes and that kind of thing. So, yeah. What have you experienced as far as, or let me change the question. How has multifamily and all of the real estate investing that you've done so far changed your life currently? Honestly, I think I, I touched on it before. Um, 
as if we're talking about financially, then it's just, it's helped me not living paycheck to paycheck and being comfortable living in an expensive city and not having to count every point and every penny. Um, and then also what multifamily has done is actually really increased like my network of, of friends and colleagues and really, I just feel part of a community, right? And I get to meet amazing people and have conversations and just expand my knowledge base. Like starting in multifamily has started me on the journey of developing personally as well, which was something like, I always thought I was like an open-minded, abundant person. Like I, I wasn't, I'm always optimistic, that kind of thing. But it's, it's beyond that. It's like another level of like personal growth and development that I've been able to tap into. And I didn't really know what that was before. So between that and just like my network and friends and things like that, I think that is bigger than, you know, and the multifamily itself is just like the journey and the people you meet along the way. Real estate will put you in some crazy, um, I have to think of how much I, I can disclose. Um, <laughs> I'll leave it like that. The names that I, I have floating around me and the, the doors that, that are opening and the, the household names that I'm meeting with or, or about to meet with or you never dream that you would even meet the person, let alone be maybe doing a deal with the person or your best buds or so yeah, real estate will open up some major, I don't believe there's really anybody who has a significant amount of wealth or income who is not in real estate some kind of way. Yeah, yeah, they all invest, like even if they make their money in something else, like people make their money in a business or stocks or whatever they do, um, they're always putting it in real estate for the other benefits that real, real estate provides. And that's why I just think like, it just has to be like, even if that's not going to be your main thing, it has to be part of everybody's portfolio. Yeah, like it really has so many other benefits. Mm -hmm. Or it should be. Um, so I can't let you go until you give us some, some of your thoughts on one, who do you target as far as your investor? Cause I don't want to assume because you do a lot of social media that your your target investor is specifically retail um but let us into your 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 mind space about who your target demographic is and, and what are you thinking when you're uh when you're actively marketing so you know what when i think about it and i've thought about this a lot even in building up my company um my target demographic is almost myself. Mm. Like I'm trying to help myself. Mm. So it's, it's, it's people who have maybe started with little, worked their way up to a certain level. And now they, they're looking for that next thing, you know, cause I was at that point when I was at the three family and I was deciding okay, I need to level up. I need to grow a portfolio. Okay. What's the next thing? What do wealthy people put their money in? How do you do this? Like, and I looked at a bunch of different asset classes and I was Googling how, what do wealthy people invest in? <laughs> like literally. And I came across so many other things, but just like that person who is, who has worked hard and gotten themselves to a certain level, but is kind of like at stagnant there and is looking for that next thing to help them grow more, help them be able to help their families and things like that. And then especially if you are a minority and when we have been not into, not allowed into certain rooms and yeah. purposefully like having wealth taken from us, you know, I want to see more of us in the real estate field or, in, and at least, you know what, and honestly it's more than real estate. It's just like in wealth building and generational wealth. Because a lot of our parents didn't know about it because, or don't know about these types of things now, because us being able to in, invest or even have a bank account is pretty recent, you know, in the grand scheme of, you know, America <laughs> as a history of a country. So, and that's not to take away from anybody else's culture or anyone else who, who is here. I want to help anyone who is looking for 
that next bigger thing and doesn't know how to do it, where to go, who to trust, what information. There's there's a few things that you should consider. You don't have to invest with me. You can invest with whoever else. Actually, I recommend that people look and have multiple operators on, you know, be on their email list. So they have multiple deal flow coming in and they can look and compare between deals and decide what your goals are and what's going to get you to where you want to go faster. So that's that's really where I'm at is I'm I'm looking to help people who really work their way up from from nothing or work their way up like and worked hard to get to a certain point and then are just kind of stuck on getting to that next level. Mm. So last question. What is um, a gold nugget that you would like to leave to uh, the person in the mirror? Whew. Okay, this is a deep one. You got to prepare me for these kind of questions. Okay, let me look in the mirror. I'm trying to look at the camera, but look at myself, which uh, <laughs> that I won't be looking at myself. I have my TV that. behind my camera. It's very difficult. <laughs> right? I'm totally oh. <laughs> um, what golden nugget? I almost, I kind of touched on it before with the comparisonitis. And I think that stems from coming from a place where you didn't have a lot and trying to convince yourself that you're worthy and that you're able and smart and being it and you're you're capable um, and that you're deserving of success, wealth, moving forward and and achieving the things that the dreams that you want to achieve. So I will say to the person watching there out there that um, you are worthy and you deserve to get everything that you ever dreamed of. As long as you keep showing up, don't got to be super smart. Don't got to have all the money in the world. Just keep showing up and you'll get there. Wow. I, I totally agree and can relate. I talked to two people today and one person did six deals um, last year and the other person did 10 deals last year. And I spoke to one other person. I didn't speak to this person. He was on a podcast that I was on um, and he had did, it was a crazy number. It was like 30 or 40 deals. It was like something ridiculous. Um, yeah, and we we see those and we kind of ask ourselves, you know, why not me and how do I get there and kind of feel like we're maybe we're doing something wrong. But yeah, you have to move at your own, your own pace. Um, hey, Angel, do you have any questions? Are you calling me Angel or your no, no, two-year-old? <laughs> no. I'm um, like, oh, she woke up. <laughs> so at the end, oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I have to unmute you if you if you want to say something. Okay, you unmuted. Oh, this Angel. Hey, Angel. How are you? <laughs> She's like every everyone's best cheerleader, isn't she? <laughs> yes, I love her. So I've been watching what you've been posting too, Nicole. You've been doing some like amazing things. Like, thank you. Awesome. So, thank and congratulations you. on your podcast. Thank you. That has been chugging along. Um, I'll be at the one year mark soon. Can't woo -woo. wait. Woo -woo. <laughs> That's super awesome. I'm very, I'm very happy for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Angel was so gracious to have me speak at. Uh, her conference one time and it was it was fantastic she has a lot of great speakers so mm -hmm. I'm thankful for you giving me that platform too mm -hmm. angels the definition of value add <laughs> <laughs> I hope that was you know, class C <laughs> no <sighs> hilarious all right um well, you, you've given us books, you've given us insight, you've given us words of wisdom, and you've allowed us to take a peek into your personal life, and we appreciate it so much. Same thing with you, Angel. We love you, and we appreciate you um, as well. Um, Nicole, this will be disseminated <laughs> basically everywhere. 
Um, I guess you'll see it as as I tag you, but it will also be on um, multiple uh, podcast sites. So you should be able to Google yourself in about a, a couple of days or a week and be even more places. You're kind of already everywhere. You come like the ether. Just, <laughs> just there. Thanks. No, yeah. I'll be looking out for it. I appreciate you coming on. And um, when you come down to Houston or if you're looking for any deals in the Sun Belt, let me know. Um, specifically, Texas. We get a lot of deal flow down here. I'll and be in I Houston next to... month. Oh, well, shoot. Let's go to lunch. All right. We'll, we'll set it up. I'll, I'll talk to you offline. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, and everybody, thank you for watching Investors Gallery. I will see you next Tuesday. See you guys later. Hi, everyone. Thanks Bye. again, Presley. Hi, you too. Bye-bye.